بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله الحمد لله والصلاة والسلام على سيدنا محمد وبعد Today's lecture, by the way, you already missed the first half hour, so I only have 15 minutes to speak. But uh, today's lecture, Habib gave it the title, The Other Side of Sufism. And actually, it is, uh, this may not be a, a good title for the talk. Because um, when, you, when you think of the, the title, Other Side, it seems like you're going to bring the, the dark side or all of the... Uh, bad aspects of Sufism. Uh, that's not my, my intention here. And because uh, usually when people take that kind of talk, or make that kind of talk, and even when people write, and they're really talking about uh, one branch of Sufism, or, or, or basically any specific beliefs of Sufism, which are not necessarily compatible and with all, as, or all the Sufi groups. For example, Abdurrahman Abu Khalid's book on uh, Sufiya. And basically he's talking about uh, a group that believes in the concept of Wahdat al-Wujud, or monism, that everything is part and parcel of Allah, of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Well, most, most of the Sufi groups, most of the Sufi yani, talk, they believe in that concept. But most of the Sufis who belong to these groups or not most of them, but many of the Sufis who belong to these groups don't realize that. Yeah, I mean, chefs, if you read what their chefs and masters of the, of the Tariqa, or Sufi group, uh, wrote, and they believe in Wahdat al-Wujud. People who, who attend, yani, or who call themselves Sufis, and many of them are not, not familiar with that belief, and they think that Sufism, and is just a way of getting closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So I want to yani, discuss Sufism from, uh, from this uh, point of view. And in the basic question that, that uh, we have to ask about Sufism, and the basic question actually is yani, that the Sufi should ask himself, and it's not just a question of whether or not Sufis are, or, are inside Islam or outside of Islam, yani, whether it is Kufr or not, but the question is, yani, is the way of Sufism the same way as that of the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. This is the question that uh, we have to put towards the, the Sufis. Well, when, you, when we put this question to the Sufis, then we can include the extremist Sufis, and the people who believe in Wahdat al-Wujud, and we also uh, can include the more moderate Sufis, and those who don't go to that extreme, but at the same time, and they have to ask themselves whether or not Yani what they're following is correct according to the Quran and Sunnah. Well, the Quran and Sunnah, yani all Muslims believe uh, that the Quran and Sunnah are the guide for are the guides for Muslims. Yani if people don't believe that, obviously they are outside of uh, outside of the realm of Islam. Many of the of the Sufi groups in the United States, and yani they have no they have absolutely no relationship to Islam whatsoever. And they call themselves Sufis, uh, and they have a master or sheikh whatsoever, but in fact, yani, they are 
something that has nothing to do with the with Islam whatsoever. With respect to to those what I will be calling moderate Sufis, and which is basically those people who are Sufis but uh, and do not believe necessarily in uh, or are not aware of some of the more extreme beliefs of the, of the Sufis. And for these people, the first question we have to ask ourselves, or the first question, any that they, or the first topic actually that they should really try to understand, is the concept of bid'ah, or the concept of innovation. Well, inshallah, to begin the talk, I would like to just mention some points concerning any bid'ah, because it is any the people who follow these Sufi groups, they are the people who who really don't realize. What is the importance or what is the danger of bid'ah or innovation or following heresies? And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, لكم That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has completed يعني, this religion or this deen for us. And what this implies is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala يعني, has given us the guidance that we need for our happiness both in this world and in the hereafter. يعني, the Muslim if he follows the Qur'an and the teachings of the Qur'an, which also imply following the teachings of the, or the sunnah of the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi if he follows these things, this is sufficient for him. And in fact, this is the complete, this is, this is the complete religion. There's nothing beyond that. Yani, this is the complete religion with respect to ibadah and aqidah and so on. And the Prophet Sallallahu also and he made this clear in one of his hadith. The Prophet ﷺ said that I have not left any action that takes you closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala except that I have ordered you to do it. And I have not left any action that takes you further away from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala except that I have prohibited it for you. So the Prophet ﷺ and he is really saying that and he has fulfilled his, mes- his uh, mission and his message is complete. And that if we want to know how to get closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then all we need to do is look to the sunnah of the Prophet and the Quran or the revelation from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. As the Imam Malik once said that if you believe يعني, that there is some way of getting closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala which is better than the sunnah of the Prophet then in fact you are saying that the, the Prophet was not a true prophet and he did not fulfill his mission. Uh, and the way that he was supposed to fulfill it. Well, there's many hadiths of the Prophet ﷺ that talk about bid'ah or staying away from uh, from innovation. Uh, one of these hadiths, the Prophet ﷺ said that whoever introduces anything into this affair of ours, and it will be rejected. In other words, if anyone tries to introduce something new into the deen, it will be rejected. Not rejected necessarily by the Muslims, but it will be rejected by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Meaning yani, that this deed is something that will not be accepted or rewarded by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Also the Prophet said that uh, that all of the, every innovation is the dalala. And in another hadith he said dalala uh, fin nar. Yani, they are actually two different hadith, they are not the, the same hadith. Uh, Yani the, the word dalala which the Prophet ﷺ used in, the, in this hadith Al-Imam Ash-Shatabi in his book Al-Atasam he discussed this word in detail and yani exactly what does it mean how is it used in the Quran 
Yani Abdullah is not used in the Quran, for example, for someone who makes a mistake. And if you make a mistake, you are not called Bal or someone who is misguided. It is also not used in the Quran for someone who commits a sin. And if you commit a sin, you are also not called Bal. And the one who, who, who has this, or the one who is yani, called by this according to the Sharia, is the one who follows away other than the clay and takes that as his religion. So when the Prophet said that every la or every innovation is dalala, he's saying that every innovation is something that takes the person on a tariq or on a way or on a deen other than the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so this hadith which we hear often, and it is uh, many people, uh, it is from khutbah al-hajj, and many people when they begin their khutbah, they, they mention this hadith. And this hadith, if you really understand them, this hadith, it is much, it's much more than just saying that every bid'ah is a mistake or every bid'ah is wrong. It is really saying, Yani, that every bid'ah takes you away from the way of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And as the other hadith said, every dalala, Yani, is in the hellfire. And all of these bid'ah, all of these things are in the hellfire. Also the Prophet said that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala puts a barrier in front of repentance for every companion of innovation until he leaves his innovation. And the Prophet said that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala yani, has put the barrier between the person who commits a bid'ah and tawbah. Yani, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala puts this uh, this barrier between them. And if you think about the nature of tawbah, I mean the nature of bid'ah, you'll understand why uh, the Prophet or we can have an understanding of the meaning of this hadith. And this is why some of the early, some of the early uh, ulama, some of the early scholars in Islam, they said that there is no tawbah for the one who commits bid'ah. And what they mean by that, and what this hadith of the Prophet means, yani that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has put a barrier between them and bid'ah, is that the one who commits bid'ah, if we compare him to the one who commits a sin, and yani the one who commits a sin, yani he knows that the thing that he's doing is wrong. So therefore, yani he may someday feel like, yani this thing is wrong, I should stop it. So therefore, he may, yani he has that feeling inside him that the thing is wrong. So therefore, he may finally decide to stop it and to return to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But the one who is following a bid'ah, the one who is following a bid'ah believes that what he's following is the truth. And he has no feeling in his heart or in his soul that what he's following is wrong. And he believes what he's following the truth. Either yani, on the basis of, of his hawa or his desires or whatever, he claims that what he's following is the truth. So therefore this one will never leave. Except for those, uh, yani, those people whom Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has blessed with uh, guidance. And these people will never leave their bid'ah. If they get to that point. And yani, that based on their hawa they say yani, that this is the truth. They have nothing in their heart to take them away from that bid'ah. As opposed to the one who commits a sin, he knows it's wrong. He's committing a sin, but he knows it's wrong. And inshallah someday, this uh, realization will come to him and he'll stop committing that sin. So it's much easier for the one who is committing a sin to make tawbah than the one who is committing a bid'ah. And that's yani, one of the meanings of this hadith in which the Prophet ﷺ said that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala puts a barrier between the person who commits bid'ah and tawbah. Also in a hadith in uh, Sunan Ibn Majah, a hadith which is uh, Hassan, the Prophet ﷺ said that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala refuses 
or does not accept the deeds of the companion of bid'ah until he leaves his bid'ah. And Allah, the Prophet said, in other words, the one who is committing a bid'ah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not accept his deeds until he leaves uh, that bid'ah. In another uh, hadith of the Prophet which is actually يعني, a very important hadith, which uh, especially nowadays, and also related to the to the modernist uh, madhab, the Prophet made it very clear that the uh, the way of Allah subhanahu wa taala or Sirat al-Mustaqim is one. And it is not there's no such thing as different brands of Islam. And you hear that a lot nowadays. And especially, as I said, from the uh, from the modernists, yani they talk about different brands of Islam. They follow this Islam and this Islam, and both of them, yani it's okay for us and it's okay for them to follow their Islam. The Prophet made it very clear, yani that there's only one way to Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. In other words, there's only one Sirat al-Mustaqim. Even if you look to the Quran, when Allah Subhanahu wa Taala Allah Subhanahu wa Taala talks about an-Nur wa dulamat Allah Subhanahu wa Taala always uses the nur which is singular or dhulamat which is plural and this hadith that Ibn, Ibn Mas'ud narrated is that the Prophet ﷺ drew a straight line and then he drew lines going off to the right and left of it and he said that this straight line is the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and these others are the paths of the shaitan and on every one of these other paths there are shaitan calling any of the people to those uh, to those paths and uh, in another hadith, the Prophet ﷺ also gave us uh, something related to the concept of al-wala'ul bara'. That is, yani, who should we support and who should we uh, give our full loyalty and love to, and who should we be free from an innocent of? Yani, when it comes to people of bid'ah, sometimes uh, Muslims yani, don't uh, make al-bara' in the way that they are supposed to make it. And we have, for example, someone in Boulder, who is a very famous uh, person. And he, he believes in wahdat al-wujud. He be, yani, if you think of almost any bid'ah, he, he has yani, this bid'ah. But yani, when he comes to the mosque, there are some people in the mosque yani, who treat him like he's a big chef, he's a big guy. Yani, they, they, know, they know that what, he's, what he believes is false. Okay. But they are doing it yani, as, as a kind of playing games and just, uh, yani, they like to hear this guy talk, they like to hear what he has to say, and so therefore yani, they treat him like a big guy and say, yeah, Victoria, Sayyid, and so on. The Prophet ﷺ said that whoever innovates something, and yani, whoever creates uh, bid'ah, and whoever supports an innovator, and you not, yani, even if you don't commit the bid'ah yourself, but you support the one who commits the bid'ah, then these people will have the curse of Allah and the angels and all of mankind upon them. And even if you don't have to يعني, commit the bid'ah itself, but if you know something is wrong, and it is a type of munkar, it is the same thing as يعني, if someone's drinking alcohol and you support him and say, yes, this is good, and let me give you some more and pour him another glass, and even if you don't commit the sin yourself, if you are pleased with the sin, يعني, you are as punishable for the sin as the one who does it. Similarly, and with respect to bid'ah, and even if you, you, you don't commit the bid'ah yourself, if you support it, then, uh, and as the Prophet ﷺ said, 
you will be cursed by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and by the angels and all of mankind. So these are, yani, when we talk to people who are, who are Sufis, uh, who are what we call moderate uh, Sufis, yani they have to, they have to realize the, the importance of this concept of bid'ah. This is one of the reasons, yani one of their shortcomings. They don't realize this concept of bid'ah and how dangerous bid'ah is for their deen, for their dunya, wal akhirah. Yani they don't realize how dangerous bid'ah is for their own religion, for this life and for the life in the hereafter. And just to summarize some of the points uh, that we get from the hadith and different verses in the Quran, some of them I didn't, uh, I didn't mention here. And the one who is following in an innovation, he is yani, not following the guidance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Secondly, he is following one of the paths of the shaitan. Thirdly, his, in, his innovations are rejected by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Fourthly, the actions that he commits while he follows that innovation are not accepted by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Fifthly, there is a barrier yani, put or there is no repentance for him until he gives up his innovation. Those people and whoever supports them are cursed by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wal malaika and the angels and all of mankind. And what they are doing is dharala or misguidance and every misguidance is in the hellfire. And also they'll be, they'll be turned away from the, the cistern, cistern or the, yani khod of the, of the Prophet Sallallahu on the day, of, on the day of judgment. And also, yani a last point is, is that they believe, yani, that they are doing something good, while in fact, yani, their deeds are in vain. So that's, yani, as I said, an introductory, uh, yani, an introductory discussion, yani, we haven't gotten really to Sufism yet, but Sufism, yani, I don't, it doesn't matter what tariqa or what group of Sufis you're talking about, yani, anyone you choose, them, yani, cannot, and them over group, Yani, I don't, it doesn't matter what tariqa or what group of Sufis you're talking about, yani, anyone you choose, all of them, and I'll state it plainly here, all of them are from Ahlul Bid'ah. All of them. Yani, I can bring you teachings, yani, there's over, well, there's over, yani, maybe 1,000 now, Turuk. Algeria used to have uh, many of them, <laughs> but not that many anymore. Yani, there's lots of Turuk. And I cannot claim that I've studied all of them, but I've studied over uh, probably uh, 100 or so. And yani, every one of them has bid'ah. Every one of them. Some of the bid'ah is kufr. Yani, it really is something that takes them out of Islam. Some of the bid'ah is not kufr. But yani, the point is, and the point that we have to make yani, people who are affected by Sufism realize that even if the bid'ah is not kufr, all of these principles, all of these hadith that I mentioned apply to them. And some people will say, okay, it's not kufr, so we don't have to worry about it. And if we understand bid'ah, that it is dhalala, and we understand these hadith of the Prophet we see how dangerous it is. And we have to convey this message to those unfortunate people yani, who, uh, who follow any kind of bid'ah. The two uh, questions Two very important questions, Danny, that we can ask uh, Sufis. The first one is, what is the goal of Sufism? Danny, they claim 
and when you talk with them, they claim that they are, yani, they are Muslims and they are trying to do, yani, they are Sufis for specific reasons. And yani, they have a specific goal, that's why they are Sufis instead of something else. So the first question, yani, is that what is the goal or what is the purpose of Sufism? And if they are from the extreme groups, which is they said, we're not going to talk about them. If they say, any yani, the goal is Wahdat al-Wujud or al-Hulul or Etihad. Yani, these concepts which clearly go against the Qur'an and the Sunnah of the Prophet And yani, we are not concerned with them. But, and yani, if the, the, the answer that you should get from most Sufis, and this is actually why supposedly, any yani, uh, Sufism was, uh, was created, the goal of Sufism is tazkiyah, and the purification of the person's soul. And Sufism was created, and the purpose of Sufism is to purify the individual soul. And when someone becomes Sufi, in most cases he believes that he's becoming Sufi because he, he believes this is the way or the road to purify his soul. So the, the, the point related to this now is that yani, are Sufis saying that there is no tazkiyah in, in, in Islam and Ahl Sunnah and Islam is understood by Ahl Sunnah and Jama'ah yani that, that if you follow the Quran and Sunnah that there is no tazkiyah that you will not yani, purify your soul or are they claiming that yes there is some tazkiyah if you follow the Quran and Sunnah but if you follow the way of the Sufis Yani, this is a better way to make tazkiyah or, or self-purification. This second answer, yani, which you will hear a lot, is that yani, many Sufis will say, okay, yani, following the Quran and Sunnah is fine, or, or, or following yani, the way of uh, the people who are known as Ahl Sunnah or Jama'ah is fine. But they'll say at the same time that our way is better. Well, this is, yani, uh, very dangerous, obviously. In fact, this is actually a type of kufr, although they, they, not, they may not realize it. And if you feel that, if anyone believes that there is any guidance or any way of getting closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that is better than what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala himself revealed in the Quran and the Sunnah, this is kufr. And so if they're saying that their way of tizkiyah yani, is better than that of the Prophet Yani, this is uh, this is clear kufr. But yani, also, yani, it may be just because of ignorance on their part. Yani, they don't realize that what the Prophet ﷺ brought, yani, the Prophet ﷺ did not just bring sharia or laws, but also the Prophet ﷺ, or the, the main thing that the Prophet ﷺ brought, is he showed us how to get closer to Allah ﷻ, how to earn the love of Allah ﷻ. It was the Prophet ﷺ who showed us Yani how to purify yourself in the way that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves. And this is why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, that you have in the, in the Messenger of Allah the best example. Also Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, tells the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, قُلْ إِن كُنْتُمْ تُحِبُّنَ Yani say to them, uh, yani telling the Prophet to say to them, yani if you truly love Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, which is what the uh, Sufis claim, and in fact all believers yani claim to love Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then 
tell them, yani, to follow me, follow the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu and then Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala will love them and will uh, will forgive uh, their sins. All of these, yani, point out to the fact that the real, yani, the real tazkiya, the real tazkiya, yani, the real self-purification, the real way of getting closer to Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala, again, is only one. It is that as explained in the Quran or Sunnah. And if anyone follows any other way of Tazkiyah, then in fact, yani he's following one of the paths of the, of the shaitan. But unfortunately, in the, in the history of Islam, and if, if you study the history of Islam, there's many, many important things that occurred, yani in the history of Islam. Unfortunately, many books of history, they, they, they usually talk about, yani what happened to the government and there was this battle on this, this struggle and so forth but and if you look at the history of Islam something very dangerous for the Muslim Ummah occurred and that is that these different topics of Aqeedah and Fiqh and Tazkiyah and it fell into the hands of different people and people supposedly became specialists in these areas for example Aqeedah Aqeedah was mostly dealt with with the philosophers and the people known as Ahl al-Kalam and it's the Mu'tazila that we, that we discussed uh, last night. Well, for, for these people, yani, Aqeedah is basically something rational, something in the mind. And it is not something yani, to drive the person. Aqeedah from Islamic point of view, which is actually in the Quran, the word used for Aqeedah is actually Iman, and it is something that drives the human being. But for these philosophers and for these people of Ahl al-Kalam, yani, it is just something theoretical. There's no relationship between yani, what you believe and really what you put into practice. And yani, they didn't they did not see the connection. Wafiq yani, became in the hands of the fuqaha. And they dealt with fiqh in, in, in a very dry way many times. And yani, it just as basically as laws without yani, relating the, the, the aspects behind it. Yani, what, is the, what is the motivating force behind implementing these laws? And unfortunately, as I said, tazkiyah or self-purification fell into the hands of those people who call themselves Sufis. Was this uh, their uh, any madhab or their way was given uh, lots of boost by uh, Abu Hamad al-Ghazali in his book Ahil uh, al and other of his writings. And al-Ghazali in this book, yani he, he um, actually, in, in, not in this book, but in another of his writings, in the book, yani, the meaning of the title is uh, My Deliverance from Error. I don't remember the, the, the meaning of the, the, the wording in Arabic. In this book, Al-Ghazali made this exact mistake with respect to Tazkiyah that I just mentioned. Yani, that there is some way of Tazkiyah better than that of the Prophet Muhammad He wrote in that book, yani, talking about his life, he said, I learned, I learned with certainty that it is above all the Sufis who walk on the road of God. Their life is the best life, their method the soundest method. And he said, were the intellect of the intellectuals and the learning of the learned and the scholarship of the scholars who are versed in the, in the details of the revealed truth, 
brought together in an, in an attempt to improve the life and character of the mystics or of the Sufis, they would find no way of doing so. And he's saying that even if all the scholars of the Qur'an and Sunnah tried to find a better way than the way of the Sufis, they would not be able to do so. Well, of course, he was very influential, unfortunately, and he, uh, and because of this statement and other statements that he made, he gave the yani, Sufism a place in Islam. The Orientalists, they praise him a lot, by the way, the Mustashriqeen and the Kufar. They, they praise Abu Hamid al-Ghazali a lot because they said he brought Sufism into yani, the Orthodoxy or into yani, Sunnism or Ahl al-Sunnah al-Jama'ah. And they're very happy with that because they know yani, what is Sufism. And so therefore yani, they try to praise al-Ghazali because of that and also and in many of our uh, Muslim brothers who read their books and read other books, they're also fooled by this and they also praise Al-Ghazali for the way he tried to make a compromise between the Sunnis and the Sufis. And actually what he did was, was very damaging. And because he tried, he made, he made the uh, Sufism legitimate in the eyes of many, uh, many Muslims. With respect to, uh, with respect to Tazkiyah, we can now go to, uh, and since that's, that is basically the goal of the Sufis, we can now go to, uh, to the way of the Sufis and an aspect of Tazkiyah. Almost all of the Turuq, if not all of them, and they believe that the person has to pass through different, uh, maqamat, different levels. And you start, uh, as a beginner, and like in school, you start as a beginner, you go to the intermediate level, and so forth, so forth. And they they call these maqamat uh, or any mystical stations. Unfortunately, and they they are taking concepts, and which are related to Islam, and they're taking concepts, for example, from the Quran and from Hadith. Sometimes they bring in their own concepts, and originally. Just to give a little background about the uh, about the Sufis, and originally, basically, they were very devoted people, and they were following the Quran and Sunnah to the best of their ability. And he too, he could almost say, but it probably isn't a correct or good way to say it. And almost to the point of extremism. And it started with people, for example, who, when they read the Quran, and they used to faint because of the words of the Quran. And they very devoted people, especially in Basra. Mostly it comes from uh, Basra and Iraq. Most of the Madahab, by the way, come from, uh, come from Iraq originally. Well, after some time, yani, these, these mystics, as they're called, or these Sufis, yani, they begin to develop their own terminology. But there's nothing wrong with that, yani. there's nothing wrong with using your own terminology. Okay? As long as the meanings of the terminology are consistent with the Quran and the Sunnah. For example, people talk about Tuhid, and they divide Tuhid into different concepts, different aspects. Tuhid al-Uluhiyya, Tuhid al-Rumubiyya, wa Tuhid al-Asma, wa Tafat. And you don't find this anywhere in the Qur'an or Hadith, that Tuhid is divided into these three. Lakin as long as the meaning is correct and is consistent with the Qur'an, so there's nothing, nothing wrong. And a very devoted people, especially in Basra, mostly it comes from uh, Basra and Iraq. Most of the Madahab, by the way, come from, uh, come from Iraq, originally. Well, after some time, yani, these, these mystics, as they call, or these Sufis, 
and they begin to develop their own terminology. So there's nothing wrong with that, Jenny. There's nothing wrong with using your own terminology. As long as the meanings of the terminology are consistent with the Qur'an and Sunnah. For example, people talk about Suhaid. And they divide Suhaid into different concepts, different aspects. Suhaid al-Uluhiya, Suhaid al-Rumubiya, Suhaid al-Lathna, etc. And you don't find this anywhere in the Qur'an hadith that Suhaid is divided into these three. Like as long as the meaning is correct and it's consistent with the Qur'an and Sunnah, it's nothing, nothing wrong. Other people divide Tawheed into two categories, Tawheed al-Ittiqad and Tawheed al-Qasid, or Niyyah. Well, nothing wrong with that as long as it's consistent. Yeah. So, terminology by itself, as long as, as, as long as the terms are defined correctly according to the Qur'an and Sunnah, there's nothing wrong with that. So they begin to have their own terminology, but then after that, yeah, especially when they're influenced by other cultures, by Christian mystics and by Hindu mystics, and they begin to develop their own philosophy. And their own aqidah, really. And Sufis have their own aqidah, which is very much different from the Quran and Sunnah. And they believe, for example, in the Qutb, the, the person who, who manages all the affairs of the world. And he has, I don't know how many nukabat, and so on and so forth. I don't remember all the, <laughs> the numbers in the, in, the, in the pyramid that they have. And this is aqidah, this is an aqidah which is has nothing to do with Islam. So they develop their own philosophy or their own aqidah over time, which is not true for the, uh, for the, uh, for the original uh, Sufis. And they developed, as I said, these different uh, maqamat or different stages that the Muslims are supposed to pass through. And as I said, and some of these stages, and they actually, or the terms, originally they come from the Quran and from the Hadith of the Prophet So what I would like to do, uh, today is I went to two actually I went to more but basically I'm going to be quoting from two uh, two books uh, of the Sufis which are considered Danny, very moderate Sufis one is uh, the book by Al-Kalabadi on the, uh, the madhab of the Sufis or the doctrine of the Sufis and the other is by a, na- a person by the name of Ali ibn Uthman al-Hudwiri. And this book is called Kashf al-Mahjoub. Now this is one of the most important books in Sufism. Uh, almost every tariqah today, and you'll, you'll find them co- quoting this book in uh, Sheikh uh, Ali ibn Uthman. And I'll just yani, discuss some of the, and we don't have that much time left, but I'll just discuss some of the concepts. What did the Sufis say about these concepts? And what is the actual yani, position from the Quran and Sunnah from these concepts? And we'll see yani, that there is tazkiyah, or there is a way of self-purification from the Quran and Sunnah. And that way is much purer and much, yani, of course, obviously, because it's from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, much greater and much more beneficial than the way of the Sufis. And the maqamat that they discuss include, for example, sabr, rida, walhab, and others, and for the Sufis, these are stages that you have to go through. For, for Ahl al-Sunnah wal-Jama'ah, these concepts of having patience or trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and these are not stages that you go from one to the other. But these are, these are characteristics that every Muslim should possess. These are characteristics that every believer should possess. 
Every believer should have tawakkul or trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and have sabr and have rida for what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has, uh, has, has willed and so forth. And but for the Sufis, they are yani, stated as Al-Hujwili uh, wrote in Kesh uh, al-Mahjur. He said it is not permissible that any person should quit his station without fulfilling the obligations thereof. Thus the first station is Tawbah or repentance. Then comes conversion or inaba. Then renunciation, zuhr. And then trust in God, tawakkul, and so on. It is not permissible that anyone should pretend to conversion without repentance or to renunciation without conversion or to trust in God without renunciation. And what they're saying is that and you have Tawbah, by then you have Inaba, by then you have Zuhd, by then you have Tawakkil. And you cannot have Tawakkil if you don't have Zuhd first. And they said, this had a layjul. You have to go يعني, through these stages. While from the point of view of Ahl al-Sunnah al-Jama'ah, and we should have all these characteristics. At one time, we should make Tawbah, we should have Zuhd, we should have Tawakkil. And sometimes we may not be perfect in these things, but all of these characteristics we should have. Even if, even if we don't make Tawbah concerning something, we should still have Tawakkil in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And why if we didn't make Tawbah in something, should we make the mistake of, uh, of not يعني, having uh, Tawakkil in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? With respect to Tawbah, for example, and you see that yani, their concepts, many times their concepts really have nothing. Yani, they take the Islamic concept, they take the word from the Quran, but the way they explain it yani, has nothing, nothing to do with, uh, with the Kitab or Sunnah. With respect to uh, Tawbah, for example, Al-Hudwiri uh, in Kashf al-Mahjub, he says that uh, inasmuch as, as yani, I'll give you the meaning, some of the terminology is uh, even in English, it's not, uh, yani, it may be a little bit difficult for some brothers who are not that uh, well acquainted in English. Basically he's saying that Tawbah, the meaning of Tawbah is to forget your own selfhood, yani, to forget your nafs. Yani, if you forget your nafs, how will you remember your sin, your ism? And he said it is inconceivable it is inconceivable for the khawas, yani they have this concept of khawas, which are the special people, the elect people, those who are closest to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It is inconceivable for the khawas, or it is impossible for the khawas to make tawbah. And it is impossible for the khawas to make tawbah, because according to them, yani al-khawas, they don't do anything from their own. Everything they do is for, for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and therefore it is not possible uh, for them to make Tawbah. And he said that, uh, one of, he quotes one of the early Sufis saying that uh, Abu Haddad is the man. He says, man has no part in repentance. Because repentance is from God to man and not from man to God. So what he's saying is that Tawbah is not something the human being does. It comes from God. And you cannot make Tawbah. It is just something, I mean, it is a gift from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, ni'mah. And even this statement actually contradicts what they're saying. They're saying that you, this is a stage you have to pass through, that you make tawbah, 
and then yani they say that uh, uh, yani there is no there is no uh, no way to make tawbah actually mankind cannot make tawbah and if we go just to take some points from this uh, topic if we go to the sunnah of the prophet sallam we see that the prophet sallam yani according to the sufis is the prophet sallam from the khawas from those special people or not and i guess they first have to answer that question and if he's not from the from the khawas and it just means they have people much better than the prophet sallam which is again yani kufr if he's from the khawas then yani he should not be making tawbah لكن we know that the Prophet ﷺ used to ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for forgiveness. And he has the Prophet ﷺ said 70 times a day and that hadith said 90 times a day. Why even Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala orders him in the Quran, uh, after the victory has come to him, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, إذا جاء نصر الله والفتح ورأيت الناس يدخلون في الدين الله أخواجا فالسبح بحمد ربك واستغفره إنه كان توابا. Yani Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is ordering the Prophet and this is directly to the Prophet that yani even after the victory has come and uh, and the yani all the people the people in masses enter the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying to pray yani praise the or yani give the the, the praises of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or your Lord and ask for his forgiveness for he is ever uh يعني ثوابًا أو ready to show mercy or to repentance. يعني this this small point right there shows يعني that that يعني there's no such thing as al-khawas that you reach a certain stage. By the way, that's true that the Sufis they believe that when you reach a certain stage, all of these maqamat, all of these things that you went through, يعني have no meaning whatsoever. When you reach a certain stage and you don't care anymore for zahad, you don't care anymore for tawbah, you don't care anymore for hub, and you are just above everything and beyond and all of these kinds of concepts. Again, this is, yani, uh, this is a type of aqeed, as I said, it is a type of belief uh, that has nothing to do with, uh, with, um, with Islam. One also, one important point, then, is just to talk about uh, tawbah just for yani, a few seconds more, is that it is more important to make toba from mistakes in aqidah than it is to make toba from sin. And it is the same, it's the same kind of uh, concept, yani, it is the same concept that I talked about before when I said there is no toba or repentance for the one who, who, makes, who commits bid'ah. I and mean, in the reason this is more important to make tawbah from mistakes in aqidah, again, it's the same concept that, and if you believe that something is wrong, then inshallah you might change your behavior. But as long as you don't believe something is wrong, and you will not change your behavior. And this is a very important point, Yanni, for, for da'wah in, in the United States. And it is a point, Yanni, that is missing. And when people make da'wah or when they are talking to Muslims in, in the United States, Yani they, they, yani many people, many Muslims, for example, take uh, riba or interest from the bank. Uh, many women, for example, don't wear hijab in the United States. Many men do things, yani, which are haram, obviously. Yani, but many of the, many people who do these things, yani, they believe that there's nothing wrong with it. That it is okay 
that يعني, there's nothing wrong with them, inshallah, nothing uh, will happen to them. So it is important يعني, that we correct their aqidah or their beliefs about the dangers of these things first, because otherwise يعني, you will never get them to change their, uh, their behavior. With respect to al-mahabba uh, or love, again in Kashf al-Mahjub, and their concept, this is their concept of al-mahabba, and you can again see if it has any relationship to the Qur'an and Sunnah. Uh, Al-Hujwari is quoting uh, Al-Qushayri, which is Risalat uh, Al-Qushayri, also is one of their most important uh, books. Basically he's saying is that love is the effacement of the lover's attributes and the establishment of the beloved's essence. Yani that in order to love Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you lose all of your attributes. And then finally, and at the end of this quote, he says that thus in love for his friend, and in love for the beloved of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the person becomes an enemy to himself. And that basically this is close to their concept of al-fana. And that the only way you can love Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is to become an enemy to yourself, to give up all of your attributes and so on. Well, this sounds very nice, by the way. That's the problem with uh, Sufism. Some of the things, yani, when you listen to it, and especially if you're not familiar with the Qur'an and Sunnah, yani, it sounds, uh, sounds interesting. <laughs> they have some very interesting writings, at least, yani, to, to say the least. But if you compare yani, what he's saying yani, from the Qur'an and Sunnah, if you ask, for example, did the Prophet ﷺ love Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? And he did the Prophet ﷺ love Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala again. And these questions are always, if they answer one way, they're a kafir. If they say, no, Allah, the Prophet ﷺ didn't love Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, otherwise. If they say, okay, the Prophet ﷺ did love Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, so then you ask him, and he did, did the Prophet ﷺ ever come to this point, and he, that he negated his own characteristics, that he negated it, 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 and his, his humanity, that he hated his own self. Do we find any hadith in which the Prophet ﷺ, and he gave us any idea of that nature, or is it any verse in the Quran which the, yani would give us an idea of that uh, coming from the Prophet and not just the Prophet how about the Sahaba and so on yani you don't find this concept they took the concept of al-mahabba from the Quran they use this term and they fool many Muslims with it and they give it yani, very nice I didn't quote everything I have here but they give it yani, very nice very mystical meanings but the point is that those meanings are not correct according to Quran and Sunnah. And if we want to purify ourselves, we don't purify ourselves with this kind of nonsense. But we have to yani, purify ourselves according to the way of the Quran and Sunnah. Well, Mahabba from the Quran and Sunnah, and it's very clear that yani, the way of Mahabba is that you love uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala above anything else, and you love for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and you hate for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You don't have to deny your, your, your soul or your characteristics or yani, begin to hate yourself. You don't know what the psychologists nowadays would say about someone who hates himself in this kind of muhabba. Uh, <laughs> but the point is, yani, is that you love for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and you hate for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That is the true muhabba uh, that we find in the hadith of the Prophet that we find in the Quran and so on uh, and so forth. Uh, I don't want to uh, take um, too much of your 
of the time, so I'll go through quickly, quickly some of these. Also, tawakkul. Yani if you read, uh, if you read, yani what they have written about uh, tawakkul, and you find again that their that their meaning of uh, tawakkul again is something that goes against the Quran. Uh, Al Kalabadi in his work uh, on the doctrine of Sufis, yani he he stated that one of the great Sufis said that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has knowledge of everything that will occur and nothing will occur without his permission and without his uh, creating the, the, the deed. Well, and it's the, the concept of tawakkul and the, the Sufiya or according to the Sufis and it's completely opposite to it. They don't believe in working according to Asdab because this according to them goes against tawakkul, it goes against arada, it goes against sabr. And while the Prophet said in the hadith that the strong believer is better and more beloved to Allah than the weak believer, and in both of them is good. Strive for what benefits you, strive for what benefits you, and seek help in Allah, and do not be too weak to do so. If any affliction comes to you, do not say, if I had done such and such, such and such would have happened, but instead say that Allah decrees what He wishes. Uh, and, and the door, and the word low, يعني, or if opens the door for the shaitan. So this hadith of the Prophet is, is telling us, يعني, that we have to do those things that we'll, we think will benefit us. And we have to follow the asbab. And again, this is, uh, one of the aspects that the, uh, the Sufis, يعني, are missing in their concept of tawakkal. Actually, their concept of tawakkal were sabr. يعني, immediately or or completely denies any aspect of aman min maruf wa nahyan al-munkar ordering good and eradicating evil Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us in the Quran يعني كنتم خير أمتي أخرجت للناس تأمرون بالمعروف وتنهعون المنكر وتؤمنون بالله one of the things that separates this ummah this nation from the other ummah from the previous prophets and all of them believed in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the thing that separates يعني, this ummah from the other, from the earlier uh, nations is that يعني, we order the good and eradicate evil. But the Sufis, يعني, they, because of their concept of tawakkal or trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and rada being pleased with whatever, whatever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has, uh, يعني, has allowed to occur in this world, يعني, they, they completely deny يعني any rule for الأمر المعروف والنهي عن المنكر. الأمر المعروف والنهي عن المنكر doesn't make any sense to them. يعني if you if there's evil someplace and if there's munkar someplace and you try to reject it, then you're going against arada waswatun. يعني and and basically one of the reasons that's true يعني that they made this mistake is because they confused or they did not distinguish between two types of wills of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, iradat al-kawniya wa iradat al-shari'iya. What he created on the shari'iya and what he allowed to bring And the Darwish said no. So he said, yani, do you want to drown? And the Darwish said no. He said, so then what do you want? He said, I want whatever God wishes. Allah, this is their concept of sabr or rada. And we know that from the Quran, for example, and a sabr is something completely different from this. If we look to the Quran and the hadith of the Prophet 
we see that there are three and important characteristics or three aspects of sabr. Uh, one is sabr or sabr in obeying Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, having patience to fulfill the commands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and also sabr or sabr being patient in staying away from those things that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala prohibited. And finally, sabr in the face of nawazil or liftila or whatever we, uh, we face in this, uh, in this dunya. But these concepts of sabr obviously are very much different from the concepts that the Sufis have. And so far, all, all of the concepts I've discussed so far, they are things which you can find some source of them in the Quran. I haven't, for example, talked about al-fana, which you will not find anywhere in the Quran and the hadith of Prophet or al-baqa and this other kind of concept. And the, the, point, the point of this whole lecture if I can sum it up يعني, in a few words, that يعني, bid'ah or innovation is something يعني, very dangerous, not a light issue. They said it is balala, which means يعني, we are following a way other than the way of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But secondly, يعني, the, the only way of tazkiyah is the way of the Prophet Muhammad or in other words, the way of the Quran and the sunnah of the Prophet Muhammad And if we follow any other way of tazkiyah, other than that way, yani, we are following the way of bid'ah. And we might think yani, that we are committing or making self-purification, but in fact all of our deeds yani, in that manner will not be accepted by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Wa or that dalala uh, will be uh, in the hellfire. Well, if we really want to turn to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, if we really want to make tazkiyah, if we really want to yani, become close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and be devoted servants of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, what we need to do is understand the Quran and the Sunnah and to implement those in our life.